Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. <clears throat> whether you are live at our campus in Charlotte or whether you're live streaming, I'm Talbot Davis, pastor here, and I want to welcome you to what is simultaneously the third Sunday of the Sweet 16th sermon series. And also, it's Father's Day, so I want to wish uh, all of you who are dads Father's Day. And I also want to acknowledge, whether it's Father's Day or Mother's Day, it's both a time of great celebration, and for a lot of folks, it's a time of a lot of mixed emotions, either because of what you miss or what you never had. And, and so wherever you are along that continuum, I pray that this day is filled with a lot of blessing and a lot of truth. And we are going to conclude this particular message series, The Sweet 16th, with a message today that is called, Come On, Get Happy. And so you could say it's sort of Partridge Family Sunday at Good Shepherd Church. Uh, what would, The way we have be, been beginning the messages in this series, and you may not have been here the last couple of weeks, and that's fine. I am super glad that you're here today. But this entire series has come from one song within the songbook in the biblical library, because the Bible's not a book, and it is a... And within the library, Kool-Aid is coming afterwards, and within the library, there's a song book, and the song book in the biblical library is the book of Psalms. There's 150 of them. Some of them are very well known, like the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and some of them are overlooked and underappreciated. And that's what we've been doing during the three weeks of this series, looking at an overlooked, underappreciated psalm. It's number sweet, number, it's not number sweet, I called it sweet. It's number 16. And uh, what we've been doing in this series, and we're going to do it again today, out of respect and reverence for the scriptures, I want to invite you to rise on your feet as you're able. And the words are going to be up on the screen, or they're also going to be in your Bible, so you can read them out of there as well. But we are going to read out loud and together the words of Psalm number 16. And anytime you come across words in the word family having to do with joy, rejoice, delight, glad, celebration, those really sort of buoyant, celebratory words, make special note of it. And I might, just because I have a microphone, I might read those words really loud with a lot of enthusiasm. So here we go. By the way, this is, yeah, here we go. I almost gave away the plot that's coming later. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you're my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is my, all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. 
You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. We not only stand out of reverence for the scripture, this church, we lift up scripture when we talk about it as our way of just acknowledging it is inspired and eternal and true, and we are privileged and grateful to sit under its authority. And before I say anything else, let's, and before you have a seat, let's pray. God, thank you for these words, these matchless words of Psalm 16. And Father, I, just, I, I pray that all the, the joy, the delight, and the celebration that characterize these words would, would also characterize my message. And that you would give this kind of life to all who are within the sound of my voice. God, I'm so glad to say today, I am powerless without you. But because of you, I am never helpless. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, you can have a seat. Well, in, uh, in just a few minutes, I am going to tell you something. I'm not going to tell it to you now, because then you could leave. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to tell you something in just a few minutes that is so counterintuitive. And when I say it's counterintuitive, you're going to hear it, and you're going to be like, that doesn't make any sense at all. It is so counterintuitive, and yet at the same time, this thing that I'm going to tell you has the unique possibility, if you really live it out, it is going to improve your outlook, it is going to upgrade your spirits, it is going to accelerate your mood, it is going to reverse your hair loss, it is going to do all, all of that in just this one thing that I am going to tell you. And this one thing that, that I'm going to tell you, this counterintuitive thing that, that, that I'm going to tell you, in addition to everything I've just promised, I think that it has the ability to ease your worried mind, to make you more content, to make you more serene, to make you happier. Because let's face it, good Shepherd, being happy is something that virtually everyone wants and virtually few people get. And happiness may be the missing, a missing piece in your life that you long for happiness, you chase after happiness, you pursue happiness. Some of you try to medicate your way to happiness. And yet at the end of the day, this thing that you want so badly, this thing that you even medicate yourself to get there becomes the very thing that, that even if you have occasional bursts of joy, that happiness still becomes just like that wet bar of soap. It slips right through your fingers. And for some of you, the reason that happiness is so elusive is because things are so difficult in, in your life. Like, like you just have kind of a long history of, 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 the, of an inability to feel kind of content and to receive that happiness. And then on top of all that, you, the reason that you don't have happiness is because you got that eviction notice in the mail or you got that foreclosure notice from the mortgage company. And, and you're like, just when I think thought things couldn't, couldn't get any worse. They did. And, and yeah, it may, may have to do with some brain chemistry. It may have to do with some family dynamics. 
And it may have to do with these situations, but, but ultimately, right now, you feel a little bit more un than happy. You feel more dis than content. And then for others of you, the reason for your unhappiness is a little bit different, and you're probably not going to like what I have to say next. The reason that you have kind of chronic unhappiness is because you like it that way. That you're like that celebrity whose interview I saw in print and they asked him, well, what makes you happy? And his answer was, I'm not happy unless I'm unhappy. And the thing about that celebrity for a lot of you is he just realizes what's true about himself and that same thing is true about you. You just haven't admitted it yet. Everyone else around you knows this is true about you. But you're yet to be at that place where, yeah, I am probably not really happy unless I'm unhappy. Few of you probably know that about yourself. This is why you sabotage relationships. It's why you chase down other people's drama and claim it as your own. It's why you get involved in, in what is honestly none your business. It's why you are strangely uncomfortable in the calm and unusually at peace in the storm to the extent that you're so uncomfortable when it's calm, you will go down and find a storm, make a storm, chase a storm, and claim it as your own. And you realize, as I talk about these things right now, you realize that your unhappiness is due to the fact that deep down you don't like to be happy, you prefer the unhappy state, and now you know what you put everyone in your family and everyone who's in your circle of friends, you now know what you put them through. And so wherever you are on that spectrum, happiness is a missing piece, and maybe it has to do with circumstances, and maybe it has to do because you really like being unhappy. We come across for the third Sunday in a row, and again, if you haven't been here with us, so glad you're here today. But the third Sunday in a row, we come across the sweet 16, an overlooked, underappreciated nugget tucked in the much longer book of Psalms. And we see that through the vibe of Psalm 16, all these words that I asked you to look for, rejoice, joyful, pleasure, eternal pleasure, I am glad, over and over, you realize why, why I, who'd never heard of Psalm 16 till this spring, I mean, I, I can do the math, I know that if the book of Psalms begins at number one and ends at number 150, there's a number 16 in there somewhere. But I'd never really understood that there was a number 16 with unique power and unique ability to transform a life. And, and when I saw it earlier this spring, I was just stunned because it contains all these things that I know in my heart are deeply true about the gospel. That when you understand that the best thing about your life is that you're bought with Jesus' blood and the greatest proclamation you can make about your identity is that you're absolutely helpless and powerless without the Lord, completely dependent upon him for everything. When you understand all of that and that he is your treasure and he is your delight, and I, and I saw all this summarized in Psalm number 16, I was like, man, I can't wait to preach that. This is why I'm preaching. I can't wait to preach that. 
for the people of Good Shepherd. And, and, and you, you get to the end of this psalm and you realize, man, whoever, whoever wrote that psalm must have been one happy dude, like a room without a roof, like happiness is the truth. Thank you for getting it. Like, like happiness is the, you're like, he knows that song? It was, it was recorded after 1970. Like happiness is the truth. Kind of happy. That, that. So who, who did write Psalm number 16? And it turns out that the introduction, what is in some of your Bibles as verse zero, well, how, does a, how does a book in the Bible have a verse zero? It's the introduction to the Psalm. And it tells us, and we're going to throw it up on the screen. Psalm 16, uh, miktam. Everybody say that. Miktam, perfectly useless word, but you said it anyway. It, it is, it's an ancient Hebrew word having to do with worship leading. So a miktam of David. So this is, this is a psalm written 1,000 BC, 3,000 years ago by David. And, and, and what kind of life did David have? What kind of happiness did David embody? And, and you, you may know some of his story. You may never have heard of David until today. That's okay. But some of you who, who have heard of David, what, what kind of life did he have? How much happiness did, did he live into? And yeah, I, I bet he had it going on when he slew Goliath with that rock. I mean, that was pretty cool. He, he must have been happy that day. And, and yet, Shortly thereafter, and in part as the fallout of his conquest of David, uh, of, of Goliath, David becomes the object of ire of this mentally ill, unusually angry, totally unstable king named Saul. And he gets sideways with Saul, and Saul, because Saul's totally jealous of David, he's like, everybody likes me, they tolerate me. David is way cool. And, and so because of that insane jealousy held by an insane man, Saul pursues David relentlessly, chases him all around the countryside of ancient Israel to the point that one time when David is in hiding, trying to avoid murder as Saul, he writes Psalm number 13. And we're going to throw a couple of those verses from Psalm 13 up on the screen. And here's David. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Well, life's all that in a bag of chips for that guy, isn't it? So from that kind of despair, to, to add on to David's story, <laughs> He decides he's not happy unless he's unhappy either. And so he, after being pursued by Saul, he ends up pursuing Bathsheba. And he impregnates a woman who's married to someone else. And he essentially blows up two households at once. Yeah, life is great. And as part of the fallout of that, David has a son named Absalom who decides that he hates David in the same way that Saul hated David, and Absalom wants to assassinate David, who by that time is the king, and Absalom's assassination attempt fails, and Absalom dies in the process. David's own son dies. David has to bury his own son. 
Yeah, life is a box of chocolates and a bowl of cherries for this guy. And yet in the middle of all that, or in the aftermath of all that, this same man who has written the, the depths of despair of Psalm 13, how long, Lord, why, why have you turned your back on me and why are you no longer listening to me? This same man writes all the joy, all the delight, all the pleasure of Psalm 16. And when you realize that, ha, man, I could either stay there in Psalm 13 my whole life, and some of you have chosen to do that. Or I can go to Psalm 16. I can move from this to that. And it makes sense since, since this man has the key to moving from 13 to 16, from this to that, from melancholy to joy, from despair to delight, we ought to see how it is that he navigates that journey. And he gives us the clues towards the end of his psalm. Look at verse 9 and 10 of Psalm number 16. Therefore, my heart is glad. There's another one of those words. My heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Another one of those words. My body also will rest secure. Verse 10. Because you will not, and when he speaks of his body, he's like, my body after I die. Verse 10, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. That's how I know he's talking about his body after he dies. Nor will you let your faithful one see decay. My body won't decay. My soul won't decay as my body does. And it's kind of weird. David's alive when he writes this psalm. That was worth coming to church for today, wasn't it? That, that David was alive when he wrote Psalm 60. Can I hear an amen for, for that? Thank you. Yeah. Mind-blowing. Oh, he was alive when he wrote it. So David's alive, and yet his mind is preoccupied with what happens after he dies. His mind is thinking about what is going to be the state of his body and what will be the place of his soul after death. By the way, the good news, the, the uh, New Testament writers, the people who had encountered Jesus, they took Psalm number 16 and verse 10, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. And they very rightly applied it to Jesus. And they said to, to themselves and to the entire world, see, Jesus is a better David, which he is, by the way. David getting his momentum going. Something about his mind, even though he's alive, he's focusing on what's going to happen after he dies. And look where he goes in verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with, with what's the next word? With eternal pleasures at your, at your right hand. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And so we see that David is filling his mind. Although he's alive, he's filling his mind with anticipation about what awaits him on the other side of death. It's clear he doesn't know exactly what it will be like after he dies. He just knows who is in control of that realm after he dies. It is his Lord. And David has never, he's never been on the other side of death, and yet he seems to be remembering how good it's going to be. He's, he's recalling 
this place he has never been. He is anticipating the state of being he's never experienced. And, and you see in that, in the way that this psalm ends up, I'm looking forward to life on the other side of death. You see that by that memory, by David doing this, this kind of strange thing of filling his mind with good thoughts about what's going to happen to him after he dies, that's how he gets happy. I mean, he's been through all kinds of negative things in his life. He's had to bury his own son. And yet the way he gets to that place where there is happiness in his own house is by thinking about, looking forward to, anticipating what his future is. Here's what I want you to know, good shepherd. For all of you for whom happiness has been elusive, all of you who aren't happy unless you're unhappy, or all of you who just want to be happy but you can't have it, you can't find it, here's the truth that I want you to know. Remember your future so you can enjoy your present. Said another way, you will only enjoy your present when you remember your future. All along, you've been hoping for happiness if your circumstances would just improve. It turns out the real key to happiness is altering your memory. Because know this, good shepherd, you can overcome whatever it is you're going to when you remember what you're going through, when you remember who you're going to. You can overcome anything on earth that you are going through when you remember who you are going to. Yeah, you remember your future so that you can enjoy your present. Now, you, I, I told you that this thing that, that I was going to tell you today would be counterintuitive, as in that don't make no sense. And, and you may be thinking right now, how, how in the world can I remember my, what are you talking about, Talbot? How can I remember my future? You, you remember your past. How can I recall a place I've never been to? How can I remember the future? Well, think of it this way. You're, you, I hate to break it to you. You're going to be dead a lot longer than you were alive. Every, every one of you, 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 every one of you, no exceptions, you will be in the realm of life after death a lot longer than you were in the realm of life here on earth. Even my mother, who lived to be 106, who does that? <laughs> I mean, imagine what it's like to be her kid. Even my mother, who lived to be 106, before she, before she <laughs> some of you are like, okay, that explains everything. <laughs> She, Jesus would have to delay his coming back until 2128. I did the math. She, she died a year and a half ago. Jesus would have to delay his return until 2128 for my mom to live in the realm of life after death shorter than she was on earth. So, and even, our, even for all of you who are not going to live to the preposterous age of 106, you are going to be dead a lot longer than you are alive. And it sounds flip, it's deeply true. When you realize that you are going to be in the realm of life after death, infinitely longer than you were in the realm of life on, on this earth, then everything that you endure in life has a whole new perspective. Every time you endure bad service at a restaurant, every time you're caught in bad traffic, every time you find yourself 
in a bad marriage, or you go through a bad divorce, or you get the bad diagnosis from the doctor, all of those pale in length and in comparison with what eternity will bring. You see, there is this truth. You don't have to know exactly what heaven will be like. You just have to know who reigns there in unobstructed glory. And the one who reigns there in unobstructed glory is Jesus risen, Jesus reigning, and Jesus returning. And when he is on your mind, and when that realm is on your mind, and when your eternity governs your thoughts, it has this miraculous ability to help you deal with the unhappiness now because you are remembering your future, you are recalling your eternity, you are anticipating that realm that you haven't even been to yet. That's how good God is. Remember your future so you can enjoy your present. See, it's so, so much like so much like our cat mittens. Now, I am super allergic to cats. I mean, totally allergic to cats, which brings up a logical question, Talbot, if you are so allergic to cats, why do you have a cat? That's another sermon for another time. <laughs> but because of my allergies, mittens, our cat, lives in our garage. And so she's on, there's this magic door that goes from our kitchen to the garage. And Mittens lives on the other side of the magic door in the garage, and while we, Julie and I are on our side in the kitchen. And Mittens uh, knows that something, knows that we're beyond the other side of the, of the magic door. And so every so often, just during the day, we'll open the door from our kitchen to our garage, and for no reason at all, there's Mittens right there, hovering, lurking, hoping, and it's like we can see her thinking to herself, this is the day, today's the day they're gonna let me in. This is finally gonna be the day they let me in. And of course we never let her in, but she's always there. She's always hoping, she's always anticipating. Now, does she wanna go through that magic door to the kitchen because she wants to look at our faux hardwood floors? Does she wanna look at the flat screen TV? Does she want to check the bookshelves to see what the most recent novels are the cool? No. She has no idea any of that stuff is there. She only wants to go through the magic door because she knows we are. Actually, she doesn't care that I'm there, even though I'm the one that feeds her and cleans her litter box. She only wants to know that Julie's there because Julie can hold her, hug her, and pet her. That's what it's like. She doesn't have to know the details. She just has to know who's on the other side. And that's what it's like. If, you, if you're like, I don't know what heaven's going to be like. Who cares? We just know who reigns there in unobstructed glory. It's like Pastor Leith Anderson said. I, I, I love this. We're going to throw it up on the screen for you. What makes heaven heaven is not streets made out of gold, or great fountains, or lots of fun, and no smog. That all may well be. Actually, I think heaven is far greater than our imagination. The same God who designed the best of everything in this world also designed heaven, only he took it to a far greater extent than anything we've seen. Yet even that is still not what makes heaven heaven. What makes heaven heaven is Jesus it's being there with him.
That is exactly what it's like. Remember your future. Repeat it. Rehearse it. Recall it. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal, as the saying goes. Fill your mind with those thoughts. Even those of you who've already said yes to Jesus, because do you know, Good Shepherd, who needs to hear the gospel more than anyone else? The people who need to hear the gospel the most are the people who've already said yes to it. And if you've already said yes to the gospel, if you've already been bought by Jesus, repeat it, rehearse it, recall it. Because if you don't, if you don't fill your mind with those memories of how good and sweet the gospel is, you're tempted to forget it. And when you forget the gospel, you can be very vulnerable to believing false gospels. And next thing you know, you have invented your own religion. And at Good Shepherd Church, we are not about an invented gospel. We are all about an inherited one. Remember your future so you can enjoy your present. And as you remember and as you enjoy, we have, those of us who, who name the name of Jesus, we, we have a benefit that, that even David didn't have when he got his groove back to write Psalm number 16. Because what David could only hope about, we know. What David could only anticipate, we understand, came in the flesh for our forgiveness and for our flourishing. What David just had the vaguest notion of, we know is God wrapped up in a human body, Jesus of Nazareth, become the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when you know that, when we, we, we with that assurance, we know, Good Shepherd, that everyone who died, because Jesus died and rose again, everyone who dies in him will rise with him. And when your mind is filled with those thoughts, there's no bad stuff or bad day or unhappy thing that can ever take that away from you. And for some of you, this sounds really good. I'd love to remember. I'd, I'd love to be sure of where I'm going after I die, but, but you've never said yes to Jesus. And if that's you, I just want you to know that the same resurrection that conquered sin and conquered death was designed to conquer you as well. And the reason you have, have a hard time remembering your future is because you've never repented before your Savior. And so we have something we're going to do in just a minute to give you an opportunity to take that next best step in your life. And while we do that, we're also going to give those of you who have said yes to Jesus marvelous opportunity to put these memories at the forefront of your mind. So anytime you're wrestling with unhappiness, you know, ah, I get to remember my future. So I can, I get to remember tomorrow. So I can enjoy today. Here's what we're gonna do. I wanna invite you all, as you're able, would you rise on your feet? And we're gonna sing a, just a terrific song about what he's done and how our future is heaven. And as we're doing that, we're gonna, we have some cards, laminated, sturdy cards that we want to see on, on your car dashboards or on your bathroom mirrors. Actually, I don't want to see them on your car, bathroom mirrors. I just want to trust you put it there. 
so that you can always have this reminder in front of you to remember your future. We, our hospitality team is gonna be passing these cards row to row. You'll be amazed at how efficient they are. And uh, you hold on to that card and you're gonna get some instructions about exactly what to do with them at the end of this song together. And so band, would you take it away? And greeters, would you begin to pass those baskets around?